This podcast is brought to you by Balls of the E in association with Carry Out Off Licence, Ireland's number one independent off licence. Hello, you're very welcome to the Brent Pope Rugby World Cup show on Balls of the E. Thanks to Carry Out. My name is Morris Bros and we've known Mick McCarthy this week, but we do have the main man, Mr. Brent Pope, here with us. Brent, how's it for him? I don't know who the main man, but I'm the main man here now. Uh, yeah, form is good. Uh, just talking about the games today. Uh, uh, just talking before we come on this about you know how it will be viewed as as a World Cup. I think you know thank goodness for games like Japan, Ireland, and now Fiji, um, Wales because you need those tight contests. So we can probably put a ring around five or six games that have been really, really good, watchable. Australia, Wales was another one. Um, in other regards, even though the minnows or the tier two uh, countries have done better than I thought, actually, it's starting to tell now in the, in the later rounds. I mean, look at the score lines that were posted in the first week or two were quite respectable, including, I suppose, Russia against Ireland. Now, it's, you know, it's a regular occurrence in the last few games that teams put 60 points and 70 points on, on uh, other nations. I don't think it's good. For the tournament, you need a couple of upsets. I'm not saying necessarily it has to be uh, an Ireland's group, but you need upsets to keep uh, the tournament alive for, for, for the neutrals. And it's probably inevitable that as fatigue and that kicks in for those minnows, that they're yeah. just inevitably going to be weaker as tournaments are going to dwell on, really. Well, the problem with teams like, say, Tonga, even Samoa to a lesser degree, they're also, you know, a lot of them are financing themselves. Yeah. You know, a lot of them, are, a lot of them is just a joy of rugby to go there and compete. But I mean, for instance, you know, like a lot of the teams that, you know, there was even talk over there when I was over there in Japan that, you know, some of these teams that get uh, in hotels that they've paid for themselves, suddenly the buffets in front of them, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard for the nutritionists to say, not don't go back for third and fourth portions, especially some of the island boys. They uh, they love their they love their food. So, you know, the likes of Tonga, that's no surprise Tonga have the heaviest pack because... My God, those guys like to eat in a good way. It's part of their culture, but uh, but you know you, you can imagine that if you've paid uh, your own way and you've trained and you get in a nice hotel in Tokyo or something, and there's kind of lovely food on tap, you're probably thinking like when I played when I was a student. You know, you'd only go to training on a Thursday when I was a student because you got free sandwiches. You know, but. Uh, so yeah, look at all at all ads, and I think the Japanese have done a phenomenal job on the organisational side of it, and also bringing the people to it. I talked last week about uh, what it meant to the to the Japanese supporters. I mean, how they've embraced the game, how they've bought out every jersey. Um, Funny enough, the only jersey that was available for sale, I think, yesterday was English jersey. Uh, so the Japanese certainly are buying up anything in, in, in green, and in South Africa, of course, New Zealand rugby jersey. So they've really embraced it. Um, so it's been it's been fantastic. I, I didn't know whether it would be a success. I didn't. I'd have to okay. say, when I first saw them, when I was first moved to go to Japan, I thought, nah, really, you know, they're not a rugby nation. It's not their major sport. It could get lost in Tokyo. But it certainly has been the other uh, the other extreme for me. I think you know just the way that they've really taken this up. You can see it just about becoming in a few years their national kind of sport because of what this has done for rugby in this country and. Knowing Jamie Joseph, the coach, well, I played with Jamie for maybe 10 years and even talking to him before the Six Nations when we met up for a beer or something, I'm sure they look at it differently now, but he said at that time for Japan to play the All Blacks in a quarter final would be immense in Japan 
One, because the All Blacks are revered, not saying anything just because I'm a New Zealand, but because they've been, a lot of the All Blacks have been going over and playing in Japan for years. So they're, they're, they're the players that are on the front of chip packets and that in Japan. They play, they take out most of the positions in their, in their super competition, their rugby competition, although there's a lot more South Africans playing there now. But, you know, that would be the dream ticket for Japan. That may have changed now. Jamie may be well looking at it and saying, hold on a minute put us up against maybe South Africa or New Zealand, perhaps we can win. And I think they would prefer to play South Africa, as I think Ireland would, regardless of what they see before this tournament. I think that you avoid New Zealand at all costs. So it's going sort of, it's kind of going according to plan. You know, Ireland had that bit of a blip as long as they get over Samoa and get that bonus point, which I think they should be a harder game than people think. Then... Nothing much has changed, really, in my opinion, because they'll probably still top the group. Um, because I think, actually, you know, not wanting to break Japanese hearts, but I think Scotland, at full strength, have a big game in them. It may not be enough to get them through. Japan may galvanise a bonus point from that game, but I kind of have a gut feeling that Scotland will beat Japan. I'd like to see Japan and, and Ireland go through, obviously. But yeah. Nothing against the Scots. I just think host nation would be great for rugby. And, and, of course, Ireland I support, so that's where my heart would be. But it'd be good to see Japan through. Can I ask you, can we dwell a small bit on Ireland? Because we didn't really hear yeah. your thoughts on... After the game, there was a lot of kind of division after the Russia game about whether or not this was the performance that we wanted. It was obviously the result. It was a bonus point win. But there's been kind of, I suppose, kind of a divided view yeah. on whether or not that was uh, positive, really. And I kind of wondered that, even when in the RT studio, actually, you had Eddie beside you who kind yeah. of seemed to be uh, a Rained lot more critical. <laughs> how, how do you feel about it now? You've got a couple of time to reflect on it. I look at it a different way. I think, I think it's a... It's it's whether you believe... The one lesson I learned as a coach years ago, and even as a player, I was always kind of... I don't, how do you put this? I was always psychologically put down as a player, so I don't think I ever probably played to the best of my ability under certain coaches because it was more... <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> it was more kind of don't do that or don't make a mistake or don't do rather than this is what you can do. Okay. So when I got under coaches that praised me or gave you positives then you were a lot better player and I took that into coaching because I didn't see in the point of saying to a player look if you make that same mistake you're not going to play next week because they would so the way I looked about the game against Russia is a bit like I took out of the athletics I watched the world championships over the weekend because I love all sport and I love athletics but even some of those relay teams which is a team event it's not a 15 man or 23 man but it is a four or five man team and they looked at it a lot different because they were talking to some of them after they'd run the heats or the semifinals and they didn't perform particularly well. And they said, well, no, no, we've achieved what we set out to achieve, which was make the final, and then we'll do our talking when the final occurs. And I kind of thought, that's the way I look at this Irish performance against Russia. I thought, got the job done. They'll still qualify. They still may play the same team despite the loss to Japan. They still may well play the same team that... They thought they were going to, at the start of this competition, maybe South Africa. So that hasn't changed. It's just whether or not has it affected the mood or confidence in the team. I think that's a bigger issue. But then again, you know, <laughs> understanding of, of the Irish sporting psyche that, you know, I do believe now after so many years kind of saying, no, will you stop this, that Ireland do perform better when 
they take a bit of that web of expectation down off them. Okay. So I think that less pressure now going into South Africa and New Zealand. I keep talking about. I know in the sort of in the in the in the I suppose the probability that Ireland will beat somehow and go through either first or second. I think that they will approach that game as look, you know, despite their ranking coming into this tournament, that we're slight underdogs. That New Zealand will be primed to win this. South Africa, everybody talked about before the tournament, they'll be expected to win. I think that's where Ireland are their most dangerous. Do you want to be like that for the rest of your rugby career as a coach or a player? No. You want to go in as the number one ranked side in the world. But it's funny, isn't it? To go into the World Cup as the number one ranked side and then not be sure of a qualification uh, past the quarterfinals is strange because if any other sport you were ranked the best in your position in the world, you'd be going in and thinking anything other than a final is a failure. And yet we were saying, you know, these guys will come back heroes if they make a semi-final. I don't see it that way. A semi-final would be a minimum requirement when you're ranked number one. Yeah. Now, that's changed a bit now. Of course, after that Japanese match, people say now that Ireland, what are they, ranked four now or whatever. But being ranked four should should still ensure that you make a semi-final because that's where they get the rankings from. Espe- but, yeah, especially if this is to be the best Irish team that we're allowed to believe yeah. and the best Irish coach, that then minimum expectation should exactly be to make a, a semi-final, to exceed expectations that have been their past, really. Yeah, and, and, and it's odd, isn't it? Because, again, if you go back to other sports, if you go back to athletics, and if you're the number one ranked uh, runner uh, in the 100 metres for that given year or the last couple of years, then you would be pretty damn disappointed if you didn't make, <laughs> uh, if you didn't get a medal, wouldn't you? You know, so, so Ireland are still, whether you agree with the rankings or not, they were still the number one ranked side for a week, albeit, or two weeks going into this World Cup. So I would see, I would see it, it's, a, it's a minimum required to, to, to make the semi-finals. And that has changed. I'll give, I'll give Ireland that because, I mean, when the draw first came out, I thought, this is a good draw. This yeah. is a good draw. Avoid New Zealand. Uh, they'd just beaten South Africa. They had beaten them, what, by th- about 30 points or something. I said, OK, you know, South Africa... Um, have improved a lot under Erasmus. I get that, but I mean, we're going back when the draw first came out a couple of years ago. Ireland, you defensive uh, Ireland's chances all day long against South Africa. Um, so it was a good side of the draw to be on because you wanted to avoid all the other England, Wales, all those, and they disappeared on the other side of the draw. So I still think, I still think a semi-final is on the cards. Uh, maybe it's wishful thinking. Maybe it's positive, too positive thinking. Maybe it's high expectation that I have, but I still think. Nothing has changed as far as I'm concerned. You know, motive for other people, but um, I think I think a semi-final is on. And I think if they draw South Africa, I'm not sure. It's not a hometown call at all. I've been in Ireland nearly 30 years. Here's the problem, as I see it. Joe is meticulous in his planning for teams, and while coaches will always give this cliche, in fact, refreshingly, Warren Gatland didn't today on the TV, they will always give this cliche, it's one match at a time. Yeah. BS it is. You sit down as a coach and you have three sets of goals. You have short-term goals, which is to win this match. You have medium-term goals as we get out of the pool or whatever. And then you have your reach-for-the-sky goals, which is we win the World Cup. That is the way coaches and players operate. So don't be fooled into when players say, oh, I'm only concentrating on the next game. They're not. They're looking at the bigger picture. They're looking at bringing the World Cup back to Ireland, getting off the plane. All these things, tools use, visualisation tools of scoring the winning try in a World Cup final. So as soon as that draw came out, Joe set about thinking, OK, 
what's the probabilities here? The probabilities at that stage were, was that we were going to go through, as long as we beat Scotland the first match that they did, the all probability is we're going to qualify top of the group. That gave them four, five, six weeks to put a plan in place after New Zealand lost to South Africa, after South Africa lost to New Zealand, to put a place to say, we are probably going to be playing South Africa. Yeah. He's not going to know whether that plan has to change until next week. And a week is a very short time when you're trying to come up with two different game plans for two different, totally different teams. It's not like, it's not like South Africa and England who are power teams. New Zealand stands alone as a team that is very difficult to plan for because where do you where do you think you take them on? South Africa, you know what you're going to get. And not easy to defend, of course not. They're a huge pack. They're aggressive. They'll be in your face. They'll run down Johnny Sexton's lane all day. That's the way they'll play it. But you kind of know what you're going to get. With New Zealand, suddenly Bowden Barrett pops up at out half or, or a ball goes long to Barrett. He's so quick. There's mismatches, potential mismatches all over the park. So defensively, it's a lot more difficult to come up with a plan to beat the All Blacks. That's not to say that Island wouldn't beat the All Blacks. I couldn't. It just requires more planning. And a week is not a lot of time. Okay. You know, it's, 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 it's an interesting concept because... Well, it's not an interesting concept, it's the wrong word. It's a concept that he would suddenly have to go to work on next Sunday night and say, OK, it's New Zealand we're playing. Scrap our plans of South Africa, this is the way we're going to play New Zealand. Conversely, if it's the other way around, don't forget about New Zealand now, this is the way we beat South Africa, this is the way we play South Africa. Can I ask you about a kind of a theory that might have come out after the, the Ireland-Russia game, right? So there's like Ireland's issue, if there is even an issue, seems to be the, well, certainly what Eddie seemed to look at was the level of inaccuracy in their performance. So he pointed at something like Rob Kearney not catching a ball that was kicked long. And yeah. I'm wondering, was how much of that can you put down to the fact that, as you just mentioned, like I'm not saying they took this mm. game for granted to, by any stretch of the imagination, but there's no doubt that they would have been looking ahead of the line. Like, Absolutely. Can, can you just box... Is it possible for a team, in your own experience, to just put box that away and say, this is down no. to, we got the results, it won't affect what we do moving forward? Um, good question. During the match, no. After the match, yes. Okay. Because it's very hard to adjust midstream. That's why teams that aren't switched on, uh, and I suggest there's a little bit of that in, in Ireland's performance, like, you know, look... <laughs> Players can be forgiven for saying, look, you know, even though the hype, we've got to beat Russia and we've got to beat them well, they can be, they can be forgiven for... <laughs> there's no perfect psychological model for the best rugby players in the world. They have an ability to box off games and just say, look, that is done and dusted now. Whatever the result, I move on. You know, golf is a sport like that. You know, the players that can contain the jitters or whatever like that are the best golfers in the world. You know, Rory McIlroy or Tiger was these guys that forget about a bad round they had last week and move on. But when you're in it, and even the golfers will tell you, when you're in it in a game and you start making a few mistakes, it's quite often it goes through the team. There's a malaise that goes through the team. Um, the only thing I thought that was the slight concern, again, against Russia, and shouldn't affect Ireland, because remember, there's going to be about 12 or 13 changes from that side, Yeah, is that once again, I think they showed, without Jonathan Six in there, they showed an inability to change the plan um, for the betterment, if you know what I mean. And that's what happened against Japan. What they needed was a barker. And what do I mean by that? I mean someone that would come in and get all the players around, a Paul O'Connell type, a Rono Gara, a Johnny Sexton type of player that say, hey, this is not working. A boss, yeah. Yeah, we're now in a dogfight. 
Let's go back to just shredding the ball into the corners. Let's go back to the basis, basics where we have them um, in the malls or whatever like that. Let's get over the line as we did in the first 20 minutes quite easily because it's an old cliche I've used on the TV and it was told to me years ago when I was playing teams, especially from the island, especially Fiji, Samoa, these teams, was never give a sucker an even break. And that meant that New Zealand have an ability of all teams to be ruthless with teams like that, to just say, let's put them away. Let's not even give... If you look at... Go back to that Japan game. If you look at the situation that if it had got to 15-3, Jamie Joseph was looking at a whole different venture then. He was then starting to say, well, look, I've got to protect some of my players, key players for that game against Scotland. So this game, I don't think we can haul Ireland back 15-3, so change, change the script. But at 12-9 at halftime, that's a different game. Then coaches start playing blocks of 10 minutes. So they say, look, if we're still in it in another 10 minutes, let's go for it yeah. or 20 minutes. If we're not, um, let's get the players in and, 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 and save. And the same as Wales today. You know, as soon as they thought that they had that game, they probably, Fiji were in that game a lot longer than Warren Gatton would have wanted because he wanted to get his key players off the park. But even the speak from a coach like that, I was surprised today when listening to pre-interviews, he said, I need to protect my, my players for um, the later rounds of the competition. So he was already he was already debunking the thing that it was one game at a time. Yeah. Because, you know, yes they'll, yes, they'll go through in all possibility. But, you know, to say that, to say, look, you know, yes, we'll get over this, I'll protect the players, and then we'll look for them to... to you know, get them off the park for, for later rounds. That's not the way Ireland talk. Ireland talk, oh, it's one match tomorrow, you know, or Saturday, or it's one match against Russia, we've got to do that. But going back to your question in the long way, when you're in it, very difficult to change your psyche. Uh, when you finish the game, the good teams and the good players will take the learnings out of it and say, OK, we can't change the result. What we can do is look at uh, the way we played and certain mistakes that can be eradicated. Uh, forget about the result. Say they got the result, the bonus points. It wasn't pretty, but it was pretty effective. Got what you got out of it. Now let's move on because you can't dwell on you as a as a professional sportsman. You can't dwell on the past unless you're learning from it. On the idea of taking games for granted, it, all the indications are this week that Ireland are going to go full strength. Have mm. all frontline players out for the small game on Saturday. But do you think that's a wise approach? Yeah, I do because I think that. Um, a, a good a good stern test will be the best ingredient you can have going into the quarterfinal. Okay, yeah. You don't want to. I always saw this game as being really important for two to, for two reasons. First of all, that I thought that after the Scottish match, I thought Ireland aren't going to get a tough game now for another four weeks because that was a really soft game, regardless of people saying Ireland played well or Scotland played badly. Uh, unfortunately, then Ireland got that game against Japan. <laughs> Um, but they wouldn't have really learnt much from the Russian match. So now, you know, what you want it to be is you want it to be a tough match. You have a week off now before the quarterfinals. You don't want any injuries, but you want it to be a match that might replicate what you're going to get from South Africa or New Zealand. You don't want a 50-point win and that even though people say, oh, that's fantastic, we now top the group or whatever like that, because you might not even top the group. Japan win, they might top the group and you've had a soft game uh, and then you've got to come up against a team that will completely turn it on at a quarterfinal. So a tough game is what I'm looking for. Um, I'm looking for all the players to come through unscathed, especially Robbie Henshaw, becomes vitally important now. Give Johnny Sexton maybe a half a match or whatever, get him off the park as soon as possible. Give Carberry in 20 or 30 minutes a good time. That would be the best result. 
And uh, because there's still certain injuries we can plug, uh, there's others we can't. And Johnny Sexton's one of those. Um, you know, Connor Murray, yes, you would have said a year ago, but he hasn't quite hit the straps now. He's another one that needs a game for his own confidence. I'm not suggesting yeah. that he doesn't play against the quarterfinal. He has to. But I'd like to just see him get a bit of that confidence back the way he was playing, you know, maybe a year ago. Robbie Henshaw, again, defensively, uh, he's that type of player that kind of um, is so reliable, never misses a tackle. And we really need to see him now, don't we? I mean, if yeah. it's three games in here, you can't. the strain is putting the squad is kind of obvious already. Like, he needs minutes. Yes, he needs minutes. But I think things have changed. I would have said that the I would have said that the number one pairing going into this World Cup based on form for the for the friendlies was probably uh, Bundyaki and Henshaw combination. That has changed for me now. Rick, Gary Ringrose is, is, is back playing well. So I think it's... I think it's uh, uh, um, Ring Rose at outside centre, Henshaw coming to inside centre for the quarterfinal, as long as he remains sound. Soft tissue injuries are worried because psychologically they'll get to you. Yeah. It's just getting, it's you know, it, you can't replicate a game with soft tissue injuries. So he gets out there in the heat of the moment, he takes off, bang, the hamstring goes again, he knows he's gone. Um, so that always plays on the back of your mind too. It, it, it's not like a break for some reason. I've had a lot of injuries, so I know what I'm talking about as far as hamstrings. I could hardly walk across the road at, at the end of my career with, without straining a hamstring. But it always played on your mind. At least with a break, if you had a break, you knew that a, you knew that a break had healed sufficiently after six weeks or whatever. It was strong. You bang up against the desk and that. It was very difficult to test your hamstring all the time. You used to sprint down the hotel rooms and that. <laughs> And you were thinking about it all the time. Is it tight? Is it not? Is it? Does it feel tight? Is it, you know, it's 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 a weird injury. Same as a calf. Yeah, tri- tri- very tricky to manage psychologically. Uh, right, Ringrose would, in your view, be rightly rewarded for his form. Somebody else I wanted to ask you about actually your area of expertise is Rise Ruddock. Ruddock, who, yeah, if if you look at his last twelve months, he's probably the inform Irish yep. player. He was amazing in the ODS against Munster in the Pro 14 semi final. Was the captain in Glasgow when they bet at them in Celtic Park. Uh, you mentioned the South Africa when they bet South Africa two years ago. He was captain that day too. I don't know. And if he isn't in the team now, what more does he have to do? I know you spoke in the past about. Yeah. I think you want CJ Stander at six, and I actually like, think that would be a really shrewd yeah. combination. But does Ruddock now feature in that back row partnership for you? Well, there's a possibility, and there's a possibility looking at it this way that you throw into the mix for South Africa. I'm not talking about New Zealand, and this is where I think that they were saying before that things differ a bit for Joe's okay, yeah. selection. Given that you know that South Africa aren't going to play the game particularly wide, you know, they might surprise everybody, they might, but that's not in their nature too. If you look at their centres, they don't particularly score tries. You look at even Fran Steyn yesterday, they pick a big sort of busting player. If you look at that and think, okay, there's a possibility. Now, you need Peter Omani for a line-out. You need him for an option. But you could have an option of Omani at seven, Ruddock at eight, CJ Stander at six. six. You could, which will give you the physicality. Uh, Reese Ruddock is a big, a big guy. He's strong. He's great around the coast. Um, he hardly gives away a penalty. Extremely well disciplined. Carries ball well. Against New Zealand, I don't think it's his type of game because you've got to have someone that's going to get a match, say Savia, to the loose ball, because New Zealand will try to get to the ball first and run from there. So you need someone like Josh van der Fleer's speed against someone like New Zealand that plays that way. And that's what I talked about. Joe has a few Joe has a few decisions to make when that game is announced who who he plays. Does he go with a does he go with a look, 
It's the reason he 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 bought um, Klein, isn't it? You know, it's the reason he bought him because he thought that he might need his physicality. Now he hasn't really shone, so I think that that probably decision, if you look back on it now, he would have taken Devon Toner. Yeah. But because I don't even think if if Ireland are playing South Africa, Klein might not even make the make the bench. So yeah. this talk about needing the physicality goes out the window. But that's why I selected him for him. The same reason why you'd select Reese Ruddock. And also because Ruddock has that ingredient that players seem to love playing with him. He's a good guy to have in the in the squad. And people talk about Shark Brits yesterday, probably had his last game for the Springboks, 38 years of age. But it's what he brings to the team. Ruddock has captained Leinster on a number of occasions and captain Ireland very successfully. He seems to get the best out of players around him, so that's also a consideration. But no, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think that'll happen because Joe likes what he likes, likes what he likes, and sometimes to his detriment. You'd have to say, you know, he's very loyal to players, and that can work for you and against you. Uh, because you know you now got to look at what Joe's legacy will be should they go out at a quarter final. It will be a disappointing World Cup. It'll be not because you've gone out at a quarter final again, because you probably either lost to New Zealand or South Africa who go on to win it. No, because of that Japanese match. So you'd have to say that it, it was it was a poor performance. Go to a semi final, a final. Then you know I think. Joe's legacy should be where it's at as possibly the best coach Ireland have ever had, you know, based on results. But he needs this World Cup to go right for him to be able to, I suppose, walk away and say, you know, I, I, I over-delivered. Yeah. You know? So is the problem, in your, to your mind, if we are looking to head to a potential quarterfinal, it's not just selection. I mean, I know you hinted at whether or not Roddick he, he yeah. probably won't feature or won't start, certainly, that game, if it, whether it's South Africa or New Zealand. Is there more to it than that, that Schmidt might struggle with in, with, a, with a relatively short turnaround? Like, say, for example, yeah. uh, style-wise, will that be a struggle if he's trying that's to plan a, that That's now? what I was saying before. That's a struggle because you've got to change your style. Like, Ireland aren't good enough, I suggest, to play it their own way and say, look, forget about the rest. We just play the way we play, and if we play that way, we, we'll beat anybody. Okay, yeah. Some teams are lucky enough to have that. They just say, okay, we're not worried about what South Africa bring. We're not worried about what New Zealand bring. You know, if we if we deliver to our potential, we will win. It's a bit different when you're playing teams that are ranked above you or that you think could be dangerous because in the back of your mind is, hold on, do I really believe that? You know, I know the coaches are saying that and they're putting in this, but but pe- people and players and professional players are only human. So in the back of your mind, if you're playing the All Blacks, as for instance, oh my God, what happens if Bowden Barrett cuts loose or something? You know, can I catch him? Is he too fast? Or you know, you, you get in those positions in the field. Suddenly you're a second row and you're looking down. You know, Barrett coming at you or something. You're probably terrified, thinking, oh God, he's going to ex- expose my lack of speed or whatever. You're always worried about those things. So I don't think it's a case of saying, okay, well. You know, we just played to the best of our ability. The only thing is about that has changed. They still haven't beaten New Zealand, apart from Chicago, on New Zealand turf or in, 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 in any major kind of international tournament. So that would play on the back of their mind. Um, South Africa, again, psychologically, it would be easy because they could say, well, look, we went over there and did really well on the tour. Uh, we beat them last time out by, I think, 30 points or something. We know Erasmus... They'll know Felix Jones as well as they'll know the Irish players, you'd have to say. But they've a more of a, I think you can get more of a read on South Africa than you can in New Zealand. And that's not to say that was always going to be the way. It's just what I've seen in this World Cup. I just think New Zealand playing this 
game like France used to play years ago where Moanga and Barrett jump in at 10 and then they can play both sides of the field equally well. It's very difficult to defend that. At least with South Africa, you know that it's going to be Pollard probably putting the ball in the air. They're going to come at you with ferocity and aggression and physicality. And if you can match that, then I think that Ireland have a more creative backline. Given If Ireland can get 50% of that ball against South Africa, if it's South Africa, then they can win that match. I think you're probably going to need 60% of ball or more against New Zealand. Okay. Now, that's just a theory. I'm not... People will come on here and say, when Ireland beat New Zealand, say you were talking rubbish, but that's just the way that I see it. The final thing I'm going to ask you on Ireland before we move on from this. Uh, loyal listeners will remember myself and yourself last February were sitting in this office and you told me that you had been speaking to Jamie Joseph about the prep that he yeah. was putting into Japan building to this tournament and it, I think it was pretty clear that they had planned from this way out as every yeah. team should but then you hear this week people like I don't know if you found this surprising I certainly did people like Keen Healy or Rory Best talking about their fitness letting them down against Japan and having to do extra work in the middle of a tournament which mm. seems Surprise. unusual as, as a player like I don't know A how much it stands to you to do that kind of prep in a tournament and also if it should be required no it shouldn't really because if you've done your perfect prep then you shouldn't be running out of gas um, Japan have two advantages in the regard that they're the host nation um, so their prep you would expect to be the best because you know they're used to the humidity and they're used to the slip, slippery ball when the other teams want and that Ireland was the only team making mistakes there's been more mistakes in this World Cup you know, even from Fiji, they're just coming to terms that now, funny enough, as the rounds go on, the, the passes are starting to stick more. Yeah. Look at Fiji today in their first game. The first game, they dropped something like 30 or 40 passes or something, which is unusual for Fijians because they just seem to have glue on their hands. But it was a bit unusual to hear that. And it was a bit unusual to get these kind of feedback that, Ireland looked very leg heavy against Japan because I thought, wow, was that what that, that was the reason we were given back against England? You know, that Ireland looked tired in the warm-up at that game, stage. Yeah. At that stage, it was here's what the change was when Ireland lost to England so badly uh, in Twickenham. The, the people said, look, they look tired and leg heavy, and they said they attributed that to that they would train too hard. Okay, got over that bridge went on to beat Wales, they said, there must be the reason. To turn that round and then come back and say, okay, now we haven't possibly trained hard enough, was a bit of a swing for me. <laughs> yeah. I thought, you know, where's the level ground here? And once say you're saying the, the, the reason you lost to England was because you'd possibly trained too hard and overtrain. Now the reason possibly you lost to Japan is because you weren't quite at the conditioning you require. So it, it, it was strange. And I, you know, I'd even be... I'd sort of even be anti kind of advertising that in your sort of media spin even saying that yeah. you know because teams might pick on that and say well we think Ireland think they're a bit under conditioned and if you get an assault from say South Africa and New Zealand for 20 minutes they're thinking look we're going to blow these guys out of the water um, you're on the other hand hanging in there and saying okay do we have the fitness to sustain this you don't know how long the other team's going to come at you again see it's all People don't place enough emphasis on the top two inches, on the game as, as psychological as it is now, as it was 30, 50, 70 years ago. It's all about how you play the mind games. Uh, you know, you can have the best players in the world, you can have the best physical approach, you can have it with that. But if you're switched on mentally, as Japan had been, if you're switched on that and just don't see yourself losing a game, chances are you won't lose a game. 
And that's what I talked about before. When you're in it, it's very hard to change. So when you're in that match and suddenly you fall behind, you start thinking Japan are coming at us, coming at us, coming at us, waves. You know, what do we do about it? And nobody has the answer. You're doomed. That's when you want somebody to step in and say, hey, we scored, we scored the first two tries pretty easily when we had dominance up front in these areas. Let's go back to playing in those areas and let's get dominance back. And it's the one thing Steve Hansen talks about with the All Blacks is that they prepare themselves for sort of for things not to go as well as they thought as for things that go better than they thought. So suddenly they won't panic if they're 10 points down at half time. Other countries would. They'd say, oh, well, we can't win this game now. The All Blacks will never believe that. They'll believe even going up to the last three or four minutes, even if they're two scores behind, they'll still believe that they can win the game. Uh, Wales have it a bit too under Gatlin. Yeah. They have all this belief that if they fall behind, you know, because Australia were coming at them, you know, in that last 10 minutes. But you see, they just went back into this way. Wales played the last 10 minutes of that expertly. They kind of diffused Australia's attack. They shut them down defensively. Patra knocked over a couple of kicks. And then they were, you know, they could that game could have gone either way. But it was that mental fortitude that won them in the end. But... Look, it's all to play for. I, again, I, I'm really excited about the prospects for Ireland rather than not excited. I'm really positive about the prospects for Ireland. Um, I think they'll get the win against Samar. I think they'll get through with those guys not being injured. And then I say bring it on, you know, because I think that all of Ireland know, including the players, including Joe Schmidt, that if his team gels for one match, then they are good enough. They are good enough to win against any nation in the world as long as they're at their best the the idea of emphasis is really interesting and if we were to anticipate a conversation that i think will definitely come uh, for the tournament certainly if you look back to the 2015 world cup the, the talk all the way after that there was the sudden hemisphere emphasis the, you looked at what happened after the quarterfinals and everybody was talking about the idea that you need to play more open expansive rugby yeah and then if you look at this tournament if i was to make a guess and you look at how fiji troubled wales australia coming back into form mm-hmm. the way england played against australia it, i think that conversation is going back again that these teams you've got Please. people like vinapola offloading you saw what fiji did today they were phenomenal that kind of conversation is going again and ireland don't seem to do that no, they don't. And I think there's, I think, I think there's three or four things you need to have to win this World Cup. I think you've got to have good discipline because we've seen the number of yellow cards and the number of penalties given out. Obviously, you've got to have a good goal kicker because you've got to take those chances. penalties, take those chances. But you make a good point. I believe that you have to have a creativity and you have to have it from deep. The game has become very like rugby league. I don't think the referees, they, they should take some criticism because the offside line is not being marshaled as effective as you want it to be. And it's infuriating to watch. It's infuriating because you're looking, you're screaming at the TV when you see the ref turn his back and the ref can't be blamed and you see the players sneaking up. Why they can't have a system like football, take one good thing out of football in this and have the touch judge with a white flag or saying, get back 10 metres. Because the law of the game, physics uh, in physics even, it's harder to get over the game line with the ball than it is to, 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 to rush up defensively. So to teams, teams, I think you're right since the last World Cup, or even in the last couple of years, that is why I thought I always thought that New Zealand would beat South Africa in the first game. Because I thought that they have a plan up the sleeve for South Africa. And it involves striking from deep and quickly and clinically. And that's exactly what they did. Two tries were created, you know, from, from 40 metres out. You have to have that ability. I don't think a power game is going to do it. 
I'm, I haven't even been overly impressed by England, to be honest. They haven't hit their straps either because I think they're trying to play a power game up front. And we've seen how teams have looked after Billy Vonapola this tournament. Yeah. You know, he's been pretty ineffectual, really, because other teams, are, 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 you're right, are trying to speed it up. They're flooding less numbers to rucks for a start. That's, that's the trend that Ireland have suddenly been on the receiving. And Japan were only putting one or two players in, letting Ireland have the ball, fanning out across the field and defending. And, you know, you've got to come up with a plan to beat that, whether it's, it's more kicking in behind, Sexton will bring that, whether it's, 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 it's more a plays like Ireland scored their, 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 try against, uh, their try against Russia, you know, off the play, whether it's those sorts of plays. And I think Joe, Joe has proven the All Blacks when they beat them here in, in Ireland. He does have a few plays up his sleeve for those types of teams. And you may only need two of those in a game. Take your chances, get six or seven points up, batten down the hatches, you know. And but, that, but you're going to need creativity. You're right. That's the final question I was going to ask you. Like the that is presumably the solution. But yeah. you're talking about style earlier. Ireland probably can't change their style that drastically mid no. mid tournament. So do no. they just trust in a game like what happened to New Zealand last year? Minimal errors, really strong defensive effort, and one or two strike plays yeah. that will unlock it. Yeah, but I think that's that's got to be Ireland's plan. I mean, you know, for for long periods, only for this Japan hiccup and you know some of the game against Russia, this didn't. People weren't blown away by the performance. But if you think about the old adage, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> You're quite right. You know, like Sexton to get you into positions of the field. You know, the Ireland are a good mauling side. We know that. And the maul is very hard to, to stop in, in the modern game, whether teams know it's coming or not. Uh, good mauling side. Then you've got a, a couple of X-Factor players and the likes of Gary Ringrose back playing well. Jacob Stockdale, you know, get a bit of form. Um, and then you have a couple of plays to, to score the tries, and it, and it should be enough. The only problem is, as you say, that other teams also know that that's what's coming, and they're trying to play their own game. I mean, it's certainly the way you would try to play New Zealand. You wouldn't try to take them on in a loose game whereby you were throwing 50-50 balls from 50 or 60 metres out and trying to run them off the ball. You wouldn't. You'd play it into the corners. You would try to maul them over. You'd try to get ahead. And then you try to take your scores clinically, pressurise them into penalties and win it that way. Conversely, I'd say against South Africa, you try to move them around the park from depth like New Zealand did, you know, counter-attack from deeper than you have, and you try to move their big forwards around the park and exhaust them. So it's not rocket science, it's just putting that into place with only seven days. You know, and that may involve, you're right, may involve a change of selection. Joe may be looking and say, okay, you know, we, we, we don't we don't play... We don't play some of the regulars because we're going to try to mix it up. So hopefully we're back in here next week looking ahead to an Ireland-South Africa quarterfinal with Japan qualified as well. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I think Scotland might win, but I think if Japan get a bonus point in that game, that'll be enough to put them through as far as I know, even though if Scotland beat them by bonus. Yes, they can both end up on the same. Uh, Scotland can only get to what? 15? Scotland can get to 15, yes. yeah. And... Um, so in a, in an oh no that won't be enough then for Japan would it? In, in an ideal the only scenario that would suit Japan is if all teams were on fifteen points but yeah. that doesn't suit Ireland because it comes down to score difference and then after well Ireland take it Ireland's okay from what my read of it is Scotland now moved to ten points correct right, exactly okay. yeah and there are seventy one but they still need a bonus difference. point they definitely need a bonus yes. point yeah so that's going to be difficult yeah because. They need a bonus point, but also Japan need one too, because if they ended on the same score, then Scotland would go through because on the head-to-head, head, yeah. head head, which is unfair, that head-to-head. Head, <laughs> it is. 
when you think about it, when a team can go through and win three matches in a pool and actually not go through because of some team they played in the first week yeah. and they lost. So here's the danger. The danger for both of those coaches, for Gregor Townsend and Jamie Joseph, is that if you play for a bonus point, quite often it'll go against you. If you play and think, okay, all we have to do really is keep within seven of Scotland and we can still get through, suddenly something will happen in that game in the last minute, they'll get a penalty or something to get over the, to get over the, the, the 10 points, uh, over the seven points or whatever. Conversely, if you're Scotland and you go out thinking, got to score tries at every opportunity, you can run into trouble because of the way you play the game. You're not as disciplined. You start to panic. You know, you haven't got the bonus for a try. Yeah. Yet suddenly it's the second half and you've got one try and you got, you, you know. But, you know, oh, it's intriguing, isn't it? I think this weekend is where really people will get behind it and tune in. I'm, I, I can't wait for it. France have been awful. <laughs> <coughs> can't wait for those games. Though. England, France and, and um, Ireland, Samara and uh, Japan. It'll be a good day's rugby. I'll rank it off the couch. Certainly wrapping up, Brent. Thanks many for coming into us. No, today. thank you. Love it. This podcast is brought to you by Balls of E in association with Carryout Off License. Ireland's number one independent off license.